Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. With first-hand lessons learned from those who have gone before, this podcast is designed to assist and inspire anyone interested in pursuing a medical career in rural and regional Australia. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Peter Letts. Dr Peter McInerney may have had dreams of taking to the skies and piloting planes, but his career in medicine has turned out to be far more exciting. Peter has developed from a young enthusiast considering medicine to a highly skilled rural generalist. In this episode, he shares details of his unique experiences and the challenges and rewards of working in regional and remote areas. But first, Dr Peter McInerney starts by describing why he first became a doctor to Nicole Goodman. Well, as a youngster, I had always dreamed of flying aeroplanes for a career, but in my early teenage years, my older sister started doing medicine and used to bring home lots of stories, and I had considered it as a possibility. And fortuitously, my family moved down to Tasmania, where the entry requirements were a little bit different. So providing you did the right subjects in the HSC, they accepted all comers into first-year medicine. So I basically did maths, English, physics and chemistry and walked into first-year med school. Wow. The problem was that they sifted people out at the end of first year. So I think we had over 100 people start in first year, but they only let 48 into second year. And I was very fortunate to make the cut and it went from there. So that's how I came to be a doctor, really. And why did you choose to be in a rural environment? So in my intern and PGY two years, I worked at Launceston. And one of my terms in my second year out was a three-month stint in general practice in a country town in northern Tasmania. And, you know, I think it's about inspiration. You know, you you come across these great people and you get a little bit inspired. But anyway, I was still very much a junior doctor. And at the end of my second year, I went, like a lot of doctors in those days, went to the UK because the UK was based on the NHS and there was just so much experience to be had over there. And That was long before the European Union came to be. And so the English loved Aussie doctors. So my wife and I moved over there for a couple of years and had some exceptional jobs in obstetrics and paediatrics. And it was while I was over there that the practice that I'd done that three-month term in contacted me and said, would you like to come back and do general practice with us? So as my wife was from that part of the world, she was pretty keen to go back. So off we went. What was your pathway then to fellowship? When I started working at Longford in northern Tasmania, there wasn't the same structured program for studying general practice, but 
there was a very early iteration of it. And so I probably fell into that a bit. And along the way, probably after I'd been there a couple of years, I did the fellowship exam for the Royal Australasian College of General Practitioners and passed that. So I suppose you could say I became a GP then. Mm. And can you tell us a bit more about how you became a rural doctor? Yeah, that was interesting. I'd been in that practice, that little town for four or five years. And, you know, I started to think, look, I think there could be something more out there for me to do. And it was round about that time that I saw this advertisement for an interesting job in Western Australia. It didn't actually say where it was, but Mm. I made an inquiry and to my wife's complete dismay, we found ourselves over there looking at the place the next weekend. Wow. And the company actually took us over there to show us around. And this town was a very remote town in northwest WA called Parabadu. It sort of does require a particular type of person to do that work, you know, to to work independently with very little support. And I was advised that I would need to be proficient in administering anaesthetics as well as delivering babies. Well, the delivering babies wasn't a big problem because that's what I'd been doing in the UK. Mm. But I did have to get some extra training in anaesthesia. So I managed to do that while I was in Tasmania. And then we moved to Northwest WA. And I think that was really my birth as a proper rural doctor over there. After being in Parabadu for about five years, my oldest daughter was approaching high school. So we decided that we either had to make a commitment to staying there for many years or to move off looking for other opportunities, bearing in mind children's education. So this advertisement came up in New South Wales in a a little town called Scone. So my wife went over there first to have a look and I thought, if she doesn't like it, there's no point going. So she went first and had a look at the schools and the town in general and really gave it a pretty good rap. And probably a month later when I was able to organise a locum, I went over and met the doctors there and the rest is history. And this is where we've been for the last almost 30 years now. What is it about Scone? What's kept you there for 30 years? Well, I think the nature of the practice, it's a perfect rural practice. It's got a small hospital. It's a really pleasant town to live in. It's got a a lovely population. It's quite a well-off town. There's diversity of industry. It's not that far from Newcastle, which is, you know, a really lovely coastal city in New South Wales. And Mm. if you want to go to Sydney, you can even do that in a day trip as well. So, yes, Gaines has been a wonderful town. Are there any particular memorable moments in your career that stand out that you'd like to share with us? It's always difficult because after a career as long as mine, there are very many. But one of the interesting things about working up in the Pilbara was that I found that I was also the town vet a lot of the time. And 
<laughs> you know, people would sort of ask you to come and deal with their sick animals. And uh, yeah. of course, I had no idea what I really had to do. So I had a hotline to this vet down in Perth who actually used to visit the town once in a while. And I would often phone him for advice about how to manage the different problems. So, yeah. Yeah. Some of the veterinary emergencies were quite amazing really. What was one of the most extraordinary ones that stands out? Well there were a couple. I mean the people up the road called me urgently to go up to their place and I thought the man of the house had some kind of emergency but it turned out that he'd been throwing a ball to the dog and this ball ended up in the dog's throat and it suffocated and so when I got there I thought the dog had perished but I managed to manoeuvre the ball out of its larynx and probably three or four minutes later the dog took a breath so I thought oh we've still got a chance here so we chucked the dog in the boot and took it around to the hospital and gave it some oxygen and you know it picked up and the next day it was as good as gold so wow that's amazing (laughs) yes also there was another very memorable occasion when I was working up there in the Pilbara and I decided on this Saturday to go off for a bike ride. That was in the day where there were no mobile phones. So we used to carry beepers, you know. So Mm. if the beeper went off, it meant get back as quickly as you can. So I said to my wife, please don't set off the beeper unless it's an absolute emergency. So off I go on the bike. And of course, we're talking about 45 degrees in the shade up there. So it was a very hot place. And, of course, the beeper goes off. So I rode back home and nearly expired in the heat to find when I arrived at home, my three-year-old son had a right-angle fracture of his forearm. He'd fallen out of a tree. And so I had to call my colleague from a neighbouring town because at that stage I was the only doctor in the town. And I had to decide, was I going to be the orthopaedic doctor or the anaesthetist? So I ended up giving my boy the anaesthetic, which was quite tense, I suppose you'd say. I dare say, yeah. Well, the doctor from the neighbouring town, he straightened the fracture and put the cast on. So... That would probably be one of the hardest things I've had to do as a doctor, you know, giving my own child a general anaesthetic. You really were in general practice. You literally were doing everything. Yeah, did everything. And, of course, the average age in the town was 11, so a lot of the young women there were having babies. We did a lot of deliveries over there. We had visiting specialists who came up from Perth to do operations, and I would be their anaesthetist when they came. I also had to do the vasectomies in the town for the couples who wanted permanent sterilisation. So I learned how to do that particular procedure before going over there. You really did learn a lot being in that all-hands-on-deck environment. With that in mind, how would you describe your current role and how did gaining those skills in a rural setting make a difference? Really, I think my profession has been defined by obtaining skills along the way. You know, whatever I've needed to do, I've gone out and tried to find a way to get the training for what I needed to do. So 
as well as being a general practitioner, I did obstetrics and I did anaesthetics. But when eventually we moved back to the Hunter Valley, there was a need to have an endoscopist in the town. And after a lot of consideration, I thought I'll look into this and see if maybe that's something that I can do. So I managed to get a funding grant to take a few months off and went and learned how to do that. So as things are at the moment, I would call myself a in the modern parlance, we're called rural generalists. You know, that's a, a GP who has one or two other procedural skills. So mm. my main areas now are anaesthetics and endoscopy. I did cease to practice obstetrics a few years ago, mainly because it's a little bit hard to have too many procedural arms to what you do and to maintain the skills in those areas. So then how many advanced skills would you say is the right number? Well, back in the day, it was very common for rural GPs to have two skills, and it was usually obstetrics and anaesthetics, and some had surgery. But I think these days, to be honest, I think one is enough, one extra skill, really, because there's such a large amount of work that needs to be done to maintain skills and competence and continuing professional development that I think that if you take on too many, it can just be too difficult to stay abreast of everything. You hinted at this a little bit earlier, but what do you consider the challenges and the rewards of general practice? General practice is always challenging because often things aren't black and white. So we often see patients during the evolution of an illness, you know. And I mean, if you see the person at the late stage, the diagnosis is very easy, but early on in the piece, it may not be easy. And also general practice, you've got to be all over everything. You know, it's such a broad area. There's such a large knowledge base that you have to have. Mm, And it's always changing. It's changing and trying to keep up with everything. So I think it's a very hard specialty, to be honest. But it's rewarding because I mean, you get to look after people. You often hear people talk about looking after patients from cradle to the grave, and that's often how it is. And, you know, at my stage of life, you know, someone will come and see you and they'll remind you that you delivered them 20 years ago, or, you know, you may even be delivering the next generation. And you also look after people during very difficult times for them and it's really a it's such an honor to have a medical degree and to be registered as a doctor I think absolutely Pete what type of personal qualities do you think are advantageous to working in general practice then I think the main quality is to recognize that there there's a vocational aspect to doctoring as a GP It's hard to quantify what that means, but, you know, not every single thing you do you get paid for. Sometimes you have to be available at odd hours of the day. 
to go and tend to sick people, I mean, because people unfortunately do have illnesses that present all around the clock. And I think to do general practice really well, I think you have to recognise that and you do have to be prepared to devote a little bit of time to after-hours work. And a lot of the great mentors that I've had as a doctor have done just that. And I suppose having empathy as well and perhaps a good bedside manner wouldn't go astray as well? Yes, I think definitely having a good listening ear is very advantageous and having a good understanding of clinical method, you know, to help tease out the more difficult diagnoses along the way. What advice would you give to a medical student who's unsure of what career path to choose? I think that getting lots of experience and perhaps finding something that you like doing and going off and getting extra skills training can really make for a a wonderful career in general practice. And then what advice would you give to a JMO considering a career as a GP? You'll be needed and appreciated and there will be rewards to extend beyond income. Find a mentor and work in that practice. Working in a rural town that has a hospital will only add to a rewarding career, and I would strongly recommend that. And also look for a procedural aspect to spice things up a bit. (laughs) Finally, Pete, what are your thoughts as you look back over your career? You've done so many things and helped countless people. What are your thoughts? What do you think about your career thus far? I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, that I'd always wanted to be a pilot. And while I was in Northwestern WA, I actually learned to fly. And when I came back to New South Wales, I started providing endoscopy services out in Western New South Wales. And that was a a great way to bring my two favourite hobbies together, you know, flying and doctoring. And I've been doing that for the last 20 years, flying out once a month to provide endoscopy services. So, wow, yeah, it's been great. And I've often said to people, you know, if I had another three lives, I think I would do the same job over and again, because it really has been a wonderful career. Not always easy, you know. There have been some very, very tough aspects along the way. It's helped me no end to have a life partner who fully understood the demands and hasn't once complained when I have disappeared out to work just before the dinner party started. Wow. She's a saint. (laughs) Yes. I simply cannot imagine another career in medicine that would be better than the one that I've had. Dr Peter McInerney, a rural GP based in Scone, New South Wales. This is Destination Medicine. Thanks for listening. Regional training hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program. 